Hi, I'm Cornell. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem. And welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast where... We hair whipping, heel strutting Jamaican queens talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. They did a one, two, three, no. Yes. <laughs> we'll call it one, two, three. Bottoms up. <laughs> So what do you think? It's our work. So what I'm good in? What I manage? How are we? How are we doing? <laughs> Child, listen. Price smart ever they full. My God, I couldn't even get no disinfectant. No pack of disinfectant wipes for myself. I gave them. I have to take one from, and I use it and I put put. Me get the, t- me get tissue and towel. So you know you have stuck okay. You know when you go back on the road, me did not. But they home since Thursday, so. Right, so this is day three of my self-imposed quarantine. Not that I have it, but I really want to go away. I really want to come downstairs to school mommy there either. Because I kind of avoid mommy because she's a girl worker. So even though right now me in her room, I record. But you know, it is what it is. So I'm also avoiding my family and trying to convince mommy to wear a mask while she's home. But yeah, that's what I'm doing. And Carnell? Wow. So Jamaica trip is cancelled, which is, you know. Don't even talk about it, my fix. <laughs> I mean, better to be safe than sorry, I guess. It's really strange though, because I mean, obviously in a situation like this, things are moving and shifting like very quickly. So Wednesday, Thursday, you know, they were plans to do one thing. A day later, like everything um, changed, like classes are now shut down. Um, I'm getting all, I mean, I don't know if this, is, this has been the case for you, but I feel like I'm getting more emails than I ever have in my life now from people or from organizations rather that I have, haven't heard from in months just talking about what their response is and how they're going to be addressing and stuff but every last one of them yeah i don't know these are wild times that we are living in and i am just trying to figure out how to keep myself occupied while i have to i mean i I guess i should also be grateful that i'm in a position where the job that i have allows me to be at home and still get paid i know a lot of people will be out of work because of how they're closing down particular um, businesses and institutions and stuff so I guess I'm lucky in that regard, but yeah. What you been up to? I mean, <laughs> so I was lucky to kind of get ahead of some of the, a lot of the the excitement, I should say, or like people now are flocking to the stores to get tissue and all these things. And I had, I went like from last week or from the top of this week, well, top of last week. And so I'd gotten a lot of these stuff. So the other day I went, I went out, yesterday I went out and people were looking for food items and all these things and i'm in walmart shopping for curtains <laughs> and decorative items because i'm just like look if i'm gonna be home this place is gonna be comfortable it's gonna be cute and we're not you know i'm not i'm i guess i'm fortunate that i was able to stock up on a lot of things but besides that a lot of adjustments are taking place and because i had already conditioned my mind that i'd be in jamaica doing all these things this lavish itinerary that cornell so wonderfully put together now i'm struggling to recondition my mind like okay you got to stay here you got to grade these papers you got to write your own dissertation and all these things and it's a lot it is indeed a lot and it's a little bit intimidating but whatever we'll 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 get there with y'all we'll be all right indeed indeed we will so i mean i guess on a lighter note today we're going to be doing the 21 questions edition for mr Mr. willis here i know i did a really good job of soliciting people to get some 
really impressive questions. <laughs> um, oh God. So I'm actually super excited for this. But I guess so we'll be doing the same thing that we did for the last time and we'll be alternating. Before we start, more mm. cost more two things. Carnival cancel. I'm very upset with COVID COVID nineteen about it. Listen, but the only good thing is that I have more time to get my body right. Can we never did we did start a gym? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very bad like me and my friend them say, oh, you know, I'm going to buy one ticket for one party. If I'm going to buy the early bird ticket, come on, I get it cheap. That part, everything cancelled. Every entertainment event cancelled. So me effects, because a lot of things when we did plan for. Also, I would have been traveling more than likely at the end of the month. That's no longer happening because, you know, <laughs> COVID-19. So this mash up my plans all the way around. So, you know, that's that on that. But yes, onward with the questioning. Oh, wait, hold on. Are you getting a refund, though, for the party thing? More than likely, they're just going to have it at a different time. And I think that's what they're going to do. But no, Carnival, no, nobody now looks about nobody no money. Carnival has been pushed back to October, so I don't know if they're just going to move the party to around that time. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, October. Nobody now looks about no money. Even the restaurants are emailing me like, hey, you should consider buying a gift card to use at a later time. And I was like, huh? Who are you again? I'm sorry. <laughs> So I think one of the things that's happening, um, particularly with uh, the airline industries, so if you're trying to, so everyone wants like cancellations and refunds, but I think they're trying to pull down to the funds as a kind of like point about liquidity. So the idea is that like, if they have to give back all of this money now, that not only puts in jeopardy, like people's jobs, but the kind of viability of the company overall so yeah it's not, it's not surprising to me that restaurants and other places would be a bit hesitant to give that money or to be offering like other options in terms of gift cards and stuff because it's a it's a real thing i forget which airline it was but they were basically like if we have to lay people off then you know that's what just that's what we're going to do and i mean we both know i mean we all know people who are working in like the food service industry so things are going to be hard in terms of some of that stuff as well Oh, stress. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if, Glenroy, you had like a method for how you wanted to do this, but I'm taking your lead on this one. So how do you want to proceed? I think we can do it the same way we did. So alternating, that was a, that was a good model, I think. Mm-hmm. And we had lots of fun with it with you. So just, let's just do the same thing with Cornell. I'm already in our chat, so we can just start from there. You want to start us off? Whatever not the or I figure it out because right now I'm kind of different edge. Okay, sure. Let's be, okay. <laughs> You're diving deep, I guess, to begin. Okay, so question one: What is your deepest fear? Blood, cleat. Sorry. <laughs> My deepest fear. Oh God, I was dreading somebody would ask a question like this. One of my, I have a lot, but I think right now my deepest fear is is not ever figuring out what my like my true potential is. I think for a while I've been playing small and people keep telling me that they see things for me and they see things happening for me that I just don't necessarily see. And now that I'm really starting to listen to other other people's perceptions of me and where my life is going, I'm like, damn, if I don't get out of my head and stop overthinking, I might sabotage my own success or sabotage what could be for me. So right now, my greatest fear is not getting out of this habit of doubting my own skills, talents, and abilities 
and not listening and not living into my truest form or my my greatest potential hmm. interesting does that i mean this is not a question but i think this is a natural follow-up does that come from anywhere i think it does in a sense and i've been this is one of the things i've been trying to like work out in therapy and that growing up you couldn't tell me anything right i was gonna be this i was gonna be a million things and somehow i was gonna make all of them happen and uh, at some point, and I'm still trying to figure out what that point is or what those, maybe it was multiple instances that caused it to happen. I started to kind of pull back from that. And I think I have like a slight idea. I kind of started to pull back from that. And I now that I'm, I've recognized what it is and I'm trying to like go back to that point where I was, I guess, fearless or just like bold and out there, even though people think I'm just like this bold and out there being, it takes a lot of work. And so now I'm trying to get back to that point. I think it happened, I don't know, somewhere in my teenage years. Okay. Hmm. So question number two, this is where the switch gears a whole lot. Somebody asked, when can I be a guest and how? Right. <laughs> well, First of all, like and follow us on all <laughs> social media platform at Fish Tea Podcast and send us your suggestions at fishteapodcast at gmail.com. If there's a particular topic that you would love to see happen and you think you have the know-how or you want to be the person to talk about it, then by all means, reach out to us and we will definitely try to make it happen. There you I'm go. Not sh- right, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I feel like I, we say that at the end of every episode. Okay. Uh, so... The third question is, and I mean, if it's okay with Glenor, I think I'm just going to compare, well, combine question three and four since we have a bit of room to play with. But were you ever afraid growing up in Jamaica and or is there a time you've ever felt pressured by society because you were gay? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when I was growing up in Jamaica, they made, we, they made it clear that who I was and who I was attracted to was essentially taboo. And which is probably the case in a lot of places. But while I was there, I definitely felt like I definitely felt the pressure to try to man up a little bit as much as I struggled with that. And I think I felt most afraid throughout high school because it was just all boys. Most of them I weren't I was not familiar with. And I didn't have the neighborhood grandma or the neighborhood auntie to come to my defense if somebody was supposed to say something derogatory to me. And so High school was definitely one of those places where I felt pressured to try to perform masculinity the way society told me I should. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I guess I only saw you once or twice. I never got that while you were in high school. I think when we when in high school, right, corner in high school, I, later on in the years, I think like in fifth, as I approached fifth form and sixth form especially, I became way more vocal and I was just like, I was over it at that point. I was like, look, una muma, the world I know. <laughs> and I said, to the point where they would call us the, the, the derogatory, they would call us the fag five. And if it was just four of us and they're yelling, fag five, fag five. So I'm like, you can't count. And it's a one miss or something of that sort. Like, <laughs> we just, just, at that point, I, didn't really, I started to just like not care. So it, in, especially in the earlier years when I started to come into who I am or kind of gain a sense, I put a, I put a term or a name to who I was and to describe my attractions. It was like, oh shit, you can't really share this, huh? Not in this setting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would just add, 
I mean, in response to your earlier point about, you know, your confidence and stuff, I do think there was a point in high school where you were, you know, incredibly confident about who you were as a person. And I'm hoping you can channel that or find that somehow so you can step into the next phase of your, you know, your greatness and your, you know, the kind of destiny that life has laid out for you. So find whatever, you know, energy or perspective that particular Karim had at that time. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Like, I'm, I am actively working towards it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is something to think about because a lot of times we develop strong ideas of ourselves, personalities, confidence, because we have to do it. It's, it's a part of the defense mechanism. You know that this is who you are and you can't escape it, so you have to own it. And so having moved to a space where you don't necessarily have to have up a wall in that way, I'm wondering if some of that was lost because you never felt the need to armor yourself in the same way that you had to then. That's very interesting. I never thought about it that way. I think the closest I've gotten to something like that is essentially just trying to test the waters, test the temperature of whatever space I'm in before I can fully show up as who I am. So, um, and I guess that's also kind of like our, one of our defense or safety mechanisms, right? When I moved here, I was definitely excited because I was like, oh, it could only go up from here. And it just didn't go as I had intended for some reason. Like for me, I was just like, oh, I'm going to come. I'm going to get the bags that I want. I can start experimenting with heels like I want to. And honestly, that didn't come until like way later. And I was like, hmm, what happened between the time that you got here? And like who got into your head or what got into your head? And I'm still trying to, I think I have a few like signals. The more I do the podcast, the more I talk about my experiences, I kind of see where those are coming from. And I guess it's just not one thing. And I keep looking for one thing, but it's just not that, just that one thing. So I never thought about that. That's interesting. Mm, Okay. All right. We're moving on. But this was, this, was, this was interesting. Hopefully through other questions, we can delve a little bit more. But the next question is, do your family and friends listen to the podcast? I and mean, what have their response been like if they have? So uh, my straight friends don't necessarily tune in as much as I want them to. I think most of them listen just because they're like, oh, I want to listen to your podcast or I want to, but they're not like avid listeners. My mom, on the other hand, even if she doesn't listen the day it comes out, she is a fan and most of our conversation recently kind of stem around this I, like what I've shared through the podcast because I didn't realize how much I never really talked to her about my experiences especially growing up even today she was taking a jab at me I was we were this is totally inappropriate do not try this with your parents but she was we, I was in the kitchen and she was in the living room and I said something like mom you never you know say me on the closest thing you have to a daughter you never teach me for bubble <laughs> 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 and, her, and her response was, "Man, I need to teach you for bubble. Never that take my lunch money. Go look for man. <laughs> go look for man already." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And I just said on the podcast, "You take your lunch money. Go look on a man yard." And I was like, "Oh crap! I forgot you listen to that." Nah. <laughs> so a lot of our conversation kind of stemmed from that. And she'll ask me, oh, so that did really happen to Glenn Rafferty? Or, oh, Carnal and Imada. And so she, so she's like, she follows up. And I have a few friends who are actually like active listeners. But it's, as it relates to response, there hasn't been much like, oh, I'm proud of you. Or, oh, I see what this is happening. Most of them are just like, oh, I listen to it and I hear it. And I'm not sure what the response is after that. I don't think they feel the need to give me a response or anything like that. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, so question five. I recently went grocery shopping in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. I failed horribly. I picked up things that just don't go together and things I don't even like to eat. 
if you could only choose 10 food items to stock upon, what would they be? That person that you just said, okay, well, I'm not going to buy a curtain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 10 food items. That's a lot because my diet has just recently changed. So some cauliflower rice is good. Some chicken breast because I could do a lot with that. Some mixed veggies because I'm trying to be healthy. And a couple frozen fruits that I could keep up with my smoothie things are mostly. But definitely on like the, the wilder side, cheese because I love me some mac and cheese and I'm addicted to cheese. And some sweet something. So Naughty Buddy, what am I called? What, what is, the, what is the, the name for people who might not know what Naughty Buddy is? Drumsticks. Is that what they call them? Whatever it is. I only buy the box of drumsticks or nutty body because I need that. And ice cream. Great nut ice cream I always get from the Caribbean store. I don't know if that's 10, but those are like my go-to now. Damn. Okay. Come through. You're least fancy. <laughs> I just food item. She didn't ask me. Mm, I think so. Yeah, too, yeah, just food item. But you're least fancy. No, no, look at team mackerel. No, nothing. No, no non-perishables. No, nothing. Girl, oh, I'm about to tuna bully beef. That's a, that's as close as we come to the, the um the non the, the non perishable items then because my stack name mackerel or lang and chicken back up here luxury. If you find chicken back here, for, you know chicken back up here, dear, and chicken back at Jamaica. Don't ask me why. But my bad. <laughs> we went to the supermarket and we got like this thing with chicken back. It literally have six chicken back and it come to like four dollar. I said what? And Jamaica did well at least a long time ago. Jamaica said so I wouldn't know, but yeah. <laughs> All right, next question. You seem to live a busy life between work, school, and your other responsibilities. How do you stay on top of it all? Oh my God, am I on top of it? I don't know. What are the <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it. Deadlines, honestly, is what keeps... Deadlines are the things that keep me accountable. If I didn't have deadlines for a lot of the things that need to get done, they probably just would not get done. Because I'm a huge procrastinator and I've been trying to kick this habit since high school and it has not been working. So even now I am struggling through this PhD program. Well, I've done the rest of it. I just, this whole dissertation part, because there are no like actual deadlines. And even if I set deadlines for myself, I'm still like overlooking them. But de yeah, deadlines keep me accountable because... If it's if it doesn't have a if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist, and so it doesn't get done. Mm -hmm. Okay, Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> my love sound like big people. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned teaching Sunday school. What's that like? How did it come about? I just so happened to, the church that I'm going to now. I just so happened to start helping out the young lady that was responsible for the youth the youth group and she stopped coming to the church. And so I was like the next best option. Like, hey, you've been working with them. Why don't you do that? And it's honestly been, it's kind of been scary and intimidating, but I work with a bunch of young people who allow me to be myself and I don't have to hide any parts of me, which is so refreshing because they just know what they're getting and we laugh together, we play together. They somehow think I know a lot more about the Lord and God and spirituality than they do. And they don't even realize that they're teaching me a lot. So it's it's really good. It's a, it's a good experience because there isn't that much pressure on me. I feel like, and I was thinking about that. If I was teaching in Jamaica, there's definitely been a lot more pressure because they have like a whole curriculum and yada yada. Whereas I literally just go up there, like we go upstairs from the sanctuary and I just sit them down like, so how was your week? What did you go through? And as best as I can be like, okay, well, this is what the Bible says about this. And this is how, you know, I've been able to overcome some of those struggles. And it's more therapeutic than it is an actual like formal Sunday school 
that I grew accustomed to in Jamaica. Like I'm not teaching about Jonah and the whale and Daniel in the lion's den and all of that. Shopping girl. Is it Sunday school of curriculum in Jamaica? Yes, you yes, my love. When I was in Jamaica, we had to take a Sunday school exam, I think like once a year that you had to pass in order to move up and you pass with distinctions and honors. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Can't relate, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so Sunday school I go on. Yes. So you try to go back to your Sunday school diploma. I'm principal. Listen, so your church never have Sunday Sunday school with curriculum, can you? We had? I mean, no. No, not like that. Mm -mm. Definitely nothing like that. I mean, to be fair, I only did Sunday school proper for maybe two or three years of my life. So who knows? Kareem, which which denomination was this? I grew up Methodist. Mm. Mm. Feel like that makes sense now. <laughs> All right, next question. What do you like to do during your time off? I shop a lot. I window shop. When I have time, I'm always usually at the mall or I'm sitting at my on my phone or my tablet browsing different websites and just buying convincing myself of stuff that I don't need. And during my spare time, if I ever find it, if my schedule happens to like coincide with my husband's, then we'll definitely go out. But most of my spare time is spent either shopping at the mall or online shopping in my room, in my bed, because I don't get a lot of chance to do that, to sleep. So when I have, do have spare time, which it feels funny saying that because as a PhD student, you don't. But when you do, when I do get some spare time, I just lay in bed and I like to lounge. You, you like a Mariah Carey moment is what you're doing. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I just, I don't know. And I mean, now I've been craving different experiences. So, but I'm flaky and I'm wishy-washy because I'll sit here and be like, yeah, I think next Saturday, since I'm off, I want to go do brunch. And my friend will call me like, yeah, let's go do brunch. And I'm like, uh, you know, let's do next week because today I'm feeling like I need to find some very, my friends call me out. There's one particular friend, like, she texts me, like, I'm going to remind you because you're wishy-washy. So, I don't know, I'm confused. But like that friend there. That friend is so like me. <laughs> no, she's definitely like that. We share the same birthday, and so she was like, yeah, I didn't get to celebrate my birthday with you. Can I see you this Monday? And I was like, no, she's like, when can I see you? So I was like, yeah, Monday at 6. She's like, yeah, I'm going to text you at 9 because wishy-washy. Uh, are there aspects of your personality you dislike? Oh God, no, not really. When you say personality, what do you mean? I mean, for me, the one thing that I dislike right now is the fact that I am so quick to discount myself, which I don't know if really a personality trait. So just the other day, somebody asked me to speak on like the the social equity imperatives of teaching diversity, inclusion, and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, I can't teach that. Nope. Not me. I think you got the wrong person. But then I didn't respond to the email. I stepped back and I was like, wait, you've been doing this a long time. Like you've, you, you just literally just did this with your arts organization, all this, like you could draw from those experiences. So if that's a personality trait, then that's one. And there's a running joke with some of my friends that my toxic trait, which comes from probably see it on Twitter too. My toxic personality trait is outdressing the birthday person. Mm-hmm. Because my love serve a moment. I'm just love dress up myself. And it just so happened that sometimes the people that I'm around just aren't as extra as I am. Let's put it that way. So I've actually had one friend where I showed up to his birthday brunch and he was just like, really? You couldn't give me that moment here? You couldn't, you couldn't have that day here for myself? And I was just like, what? What did I do? This is, this is <laughs> No, but let me tell you this. Any oh you uh, try outdress me at any event when me I feel myself we are fight like girl as we say step in my take 
I didn't have the bumps so them take me to the side and take off something. So, all right, you <laughs> So, this is a bit much. Glenroy is already doing that, is already serving this. I need you to Yeah. I was just quieted. We just caught it here. We just said, said Glenai, sis, where you are here? All right, all right. We know what for do. No problem. Because something I mean, you have to know when to be the bride, and something you have to know when to be the bridesmaid. I would also say that <laughs> anyone who is your friend needs or should be aware that if you're going exactly. somewhere, you're going to be bringing, you know, something. So it's also their responsibility to, like, step their game up. So I like your perspective, or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, what are they? No, I go back to one here. Yes and no, because fine. If it's a regular day and you know stay friend, I can take it to friend, I can take it because we'll go out, we'll go out of the park, we'll go to a museum, the girl I can just dress up because I see that. But if it's a specific day for a specific person, like my baby show, I yeah, let me throw you outside, really. <laughs> that's like that's like most people who um propose at people's wedding. Ah, no ma'am. No. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I definitely get it, though. And I'm like, I'm definitely considerate of when people invite me out to things that is centered around them to try not to. But it's, it's like Cornel said, like my group of friends also, they don't dress the same way that I do. They aren't as flamboyant with their fashion choices as, as, as I am. So like I always try to be mindful. Like that day when the dude made the comment, I was literally wearing just a denim top. My hair wasn't done, so I put on a felt a felt hat and maybe had the boots. Maybe had the boots, so maybe they wear, maybe wear heels. And I guess that was just like, all right, look, you're just you just throw this overboard. I think I think you could have just wear flat shoes or something. You could have just as a boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. So here it goes. You are married. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hello, you're not done, girl. So <laughs> <laughs> the question is. Who proposed to whom? My husband proposed to me. And I think, I don't know, when he proposed to me, I was, well, I was 23 when we got engaged, 23, 24. And I'm, I'm much older than that now. But I think at that time, I was still in the mindset, like, any man my day with a demographic propose, me not propose to no man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm more woman than some woman, so. <laughs> That's how the one norm on the can impose for my life. I have a propose to me. <laughs> you know, interestingly, even though that's not the reason for it, I'm not going to propose to anyone. They have to propose to me. So my, my day, I would have a friend. I have a different reason for it, though. Yeah, so, but yeah, he, he proposed and the feeling was mutual. The feeling still is mutual. So, what a proposal, though. Girl, it wasn't nothing fancy. I kid you not. My husband is the simplest thing walking and he overthinks things. And so when he's under pressure, he just resorts to simple. So apparently he was trying to cahoot with some of my friends to do something, right? The grand gestures that people, you know, pose. And I think he became overwhelmed. I picked him up from the train station one night and we were driving. I was taking him home. We weren't living together at the time. I was taking him to his place. And he was like, could you just wait right here? I'll be right back. So he goes inside. He comes back out. And Malik kind of vexed because what am I going to tell you after? He comes back out (laughs) and he says, can you get out the car? And I was like, look, it's late. I know this is a very white neighborhood, but no, you could, we could do whatever this is over the phone or we could do it tomorrow. Here I go. And so he puts me on, he, we're sitting at this, the corner of his house on the little wall thing, whatever that's called, the ledge, I don't know. And he's like talking, he's saying, I've really been enjoying this and yada yeah, and I've been so sure and this is who I want to spend. I would love to be able to spend the rest of my life with you. And I was like, wait, I literally stopped him and said, where I got to, 
And he says, just let me talk, Kareem. And then he goes, will you marry me? And I was like, really? Right now? Right to yourself? He's like, yeah, what do you mean? I'm seeing see my ear and my nails now, do. I'm seeing see what me I wear. You're going to propose to me right to yourself? <laughs> and he was like, look. <laughs> I was like, all right, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm ruining the moment. Yes, thank you so much. And after I took the ring, he put it on my finger. I was like, but still, you definitely did right here. So you couldn't give me a moment like I had to be good. Ask one of my friend them for message me and said, do my ear on my nails or something. But yeah, I was literally wearing, because like I said, it was late and I just drew, put some shorts on and a hoodie to go pick him up and one does the flip flops and the man took him from the sidewalk and proposed to me. And long after, well, not long after the fact, <laughs> but after I was telling the girls that, you know, I'm engaged, then a few of them were like, yeah, oh my God, he did it. He said he was, he was, he was, he reached out to me to help him plan something. And I was like, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. And yeah, yeah. And I was like, this man gets, Kitchen frightened. I'm afraid I'm nervous because he is not that grand gesture type of person. He's very simple. And they were just like, yeah, no. I was like, yeah, but that was that. I didn't even know if I did take no. I didn't post no picture because I never look right. And we'd want, oh, let's take a selfie. I think we took the selfie, just never made it to the to social media. My goodness. Wow. Okay. I don't ask a question though. I know this is about Kareem, but I don't want to leave that question hanging. So like Glenroy, why is it that someone else would have to propose to you? Yeah, could wait to my 21 question. No. Hell go the role reverse. I usually I me I paid Carnell to the wall. Don't say it. Um well for me, I guess it boils down to I never want to be the person who feels like I'm leading the relationship and the reason for that is I'm the kind of person I get very invested very quickly and mm. I need certainty from, from my partner and I don't like feeling like it, I'm the one that made this happen. I like feeling like you're doing this for me because you want me. And I think it's that kind of sometimes reassurance that I need and so I don't want to be the person that, that makes those kind of big relationship decisions. So mm. if we're going to take something that's, that's a big step then I need you to be the one to do it because I know for me that when I do it, I'm all in. But and either way, I'm all in. I just need to, to see that move from you to also be sure that you're all in. I understand that. I get, I that. get that. Mm-hmm. I definitely get that because I am, like, that's one of the things that I've been talking to my husband about in therapy. Like, look, because my, my therapist is like, well, why don't you bring it up? And I was like, well, I don't want to bring up certain things and initiative because I want it to be something that, we're both equally interested in like I don't want to be like I'm just bringing this up and you're going along with it because I said so like I don't want I, I hate that feeling exactly um, and exactly. that's something that even to this day like my husband and I push back on I'm like no tell me what you think like not because I said this is what I think doesn't mean that's like the end all be all like no if you have an opinion I have an opinion and if there's a difference then we need to find a middle ground or something but I'm not the only one in this so I definitely understand that right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. need for feeling mm-hmm. you are participating so which is why I don't want to be in charge of my relationship. Mm. Today, I don't want to be doing all the decision making. But it's not about me. So, yeah. okay. yes, well, that's okay. Actually, it's just fun that because I think that's like an odd. With your personality and just who you are in this world, it is going to be difficult. But we, we can talk. Because <laughs> I want to know more. But we will save that for the 21 questions with Glenroy. Okay, so others have mentioned how difficult it can be to live with a partner. How has it been for you? So it hasn't has it hasn't been as difficult as I anticipated it would have been because again, 
my husband is very like simple kind of go with the flow kind of person and i'm more so like no one plus one has to equal to two it cannot and if it comes up two and a half then i don't know how we're gonna do this and he's just like well let's just run with it but i'm i will say though the interesting part about that is kind of like finding a rhythm and a routine or finding us like at first we kind of like push back about this push back against the whole idea of having a rhythm and a routine but then we end up finding ourselves falling into one regardless so mm. we'll find ourselves i'll say oh i'll just fall asleep on whatever side of the bed but then even if i do it for one two three nights after the the third or the fourth night we find ourselves i'm sleeping on the right he's sleeping on the left he has his product here. I have my product there. Space was never really an issue because I'm more the one. I Well, it's an issue because I make it one, but not because it's actually an issue. But that's been the hardest part. Like, we find ourselves kind of pushing back about this. I push it back against this idea of having not falling into our rhythm, getting too mundane. But you find yourselves doing it. Any, like, domesticated is a term that Cornell used. Like, we find ourselves getting real domesticated where I'm responsible for laundry and he's responsible for giving me the money to go do the laundry. And we're like, oh, shit. The very thing that we're like, oh, this has never happened. Like, oh, we'll have equal 50-50. Certain things you'll find yourself just doing and he's just responsible for certain things and you just keep it moving. Mm -hmm. I mean, I also want to say that I feel like people need to put more respect on living a mundane life. It can actually be a really good time. So think about it. It's cute, I mean. Look at the two of you couples commiserating on couple things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So the next question is, oh, them, them love to talk man. You mentioned that your husband is a chef. What's your favorite meal that he's ever prepared for you? First of all, I don't get it confused. This man not really cook unless you for him like that. <laughs> and, I guess, and I guess the reason for it is because if you're doing it all day, every day for work, and he works really long hours and ridiculous, like he has a ridiculous schedule, the last thing you want to do is really come home and cook. But he does make a mean Alfredo. Like he, and I'm not talking about like the regular chicken Alfredo. He goes in and there's no one thing that he keeps making because he experiments a lot. Like he'll just do something and it just happens to be this way. But if he's supposed to replicate it, it doesn't really happen. And I think that's made it even much more fun. Like right now, he's literally in the kitchen cooking Sunday dinner. And, you know, oh, we fry chicken and then cook it down the gravy. What we call it? Brown stew, fricassee, whatever we call it. We will fry the chicken, we'll brown the chicken first. And then we'll cook it down the gravy and serve it with rice and peas. I saw him frying the chicken. So I was like, oh, we're going to, you're going to put it in the oven. No, you're going to, you know, put another pot with the gravy and whatever, whatever. I never knew if I cook this because he's not really good, a good Jamaican cook. But he's like, no, I'm going to put it in the oven. I said, what? I never saw that fuck up. But, and he <laughs> made a sauce and I tasted the sauce before recording. And I was like, oh, shit. All right, you might be onto something. And the chicken, not the oven, my love. I'm done record, I'm going to lick my finger. <laughs> no, no, but there's no, like, there's no, like, one meal. Like, if you want to soft, you're up and cook that one there. No, if he wants soft milk, him just look for me. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I put up a schoolgirl thigh. Just said, no, don't bother with it. Don't start. What, bitch? I'm getting cheated. <laughs> it be like that. It be like it's alright. I mean, I could own that. Like he, I don't know. He has this way about him. Where he doesn't necessarily do need to do all these gestures to get the no key. And just 
sitcom, I'm just say, all right, Manoa, what's same. Or what he does, he doesn't cook. He goes, let me rub your back. I you know, say, I eat that. Because me, I me, I was a far feet, like, oh, yeah, because right to Sophie with him, just right in the middle, right in the middle. And before that, it started to be um, x ray. It, it, it just come to it. All right, let's let's take it down a notch. Um, all right, so the next question is How have you and your high school friends managed to stay friends throughout the years? Not on any effort of my own, honestly. I give it. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel like I put out as much effort as my friends. Like, I don't remember who created the, the WhatsApp group that we have now, but it established and we that's how we've been connecting for the longest until we finally got some coins. And we're just like, oh, we should start doing a cute annual trip. And we've been rocking with that. But I think through social media, we've kept a good connection and then that kind of transferred into WhatsApp. And that's how we kind of all stayed in contact. And then outside of the WhatsApp group, then we all talk individually like Cornell and I talk a lot Jermaine and I talk a lot like outside of the group Javon and I talk a lot outside of the group Corey and I we all talk to each other separately and then with it collect as as a group collectively oh well at least it worked because chat if you go through the stress with me and my high school friend and we finally have it working now but to see that y'all have kind of somehow maintained something is actually really good because a lot of high school friends don't make it and then honestly speaking um, the group of friends that, and I hope I don't offend anybody by making this statement. So the, the connection that I had with my high school friends, I've tried my hardest to kind of replicate that, especially through college. None of Cornell remembers, like I used to complain a lot mm-hmm. that I am struggling to find me a group of like the Fab Five where we know that lunchtime, this is where we meet. And in the morning before devotion, this is where we meet. And after school, before we leave, this is where we meet. And this is what we talk about every Monday morning. We talk about our rendezvous from the weekend before. And like, it was hard trying to find a group, a solid group of friends that I could just like, hey girl, this is what's bothering me. Hey girl, this is what I, girl, this other man when we meet, girl, this other man care. Like it was, it was hard to, to, to find that. And I think a part of it also was just like, Cornell mentioned this, I don't know which episode, but like people throw around the word love a lot up here. Like, oh, you're my best friend. I'm just like, I am? Because I felt like the group of people that I consider my best friends, we went through way more than this before we even considered ourselves best friends. Like we had a shared experience, something. And so that, I think that bond that I felt with them is essentially what keeps me going because they feed me in a way that other people cannot or have not. And so I keep returning to the source. Completely understandable. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? In 10 years, I'll be living in a 15,000 square foot mansion with at least two cars in the driveway. My husband will still hopefully be my husband because we don't know what happened, but I still have pretty much pictured him into all of this. We'll have it somewhere between three and five kids because now I'm making at least 200K a year to support all of them and i'm taking way more vacations than i am now with my good good girlfriends and i have somehow figured out how to live into this lavish life or live into i'm I'm doing a career that is fulfilling that is authentic that allows me to be me and yeah have i left out anything else my edges are still intact i'm still fly and still spiritually connected mm-hmm. in 10 years yeah but claim it i believe it
that nice. That nice, but just want to come out the mansion and come eat local food sometimes. Girl, nice. come right over, my love. So, Glenra, where are you? The, where, where in the world are you? Oh, I mean, you're not the house. Come over, honey. We're brunching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. yes. Okay, so you, I think you said you wanted to be asked this question. So here you go. If you could have a convo with your younger self, what age would you speak to and why? Not that person that really listens to the podcast. Oh, that person here. Sam, uh, uh, Sam? Yeah, Sam. We feel like we can call out Samantha. Samantha Powell. Can call out her name. Yeah? Friend of the show. Yeah, friend sh- of the show. Friend of the show. Sh- Whosoever you is a deserve some fish tea memorabilia. You first get it when it roll out, my love. We need to have it. Matter of fact, we, we need to have it on the show. Because you're listening. I'm like that. Leave <laughs> for her. We definitely will. So, I think... I don't know the exact age, but I think between right before I came here and I think right before sixth form, so maybe like between the ages of 12 and 16, right? I think those were like really good years as far as I could remember as it relates to being, like Cornell said, firm in, like having a firm sense of self. I would want to talk to the young man from that from that decade and there's one thing that I was all I would always want to let him know that he was enough just as he was and if he could just hold on to whatever that spark was that he had he would he should protect it fiercely because I felt like at that point I lived in a bubble and I allowed people to or society to kind of infiltrate that bubble and it's never been right since. I think at that age, I had all these things that I was going to do and who I was going to be and the kind of person I was going to be growing up. And even if that didn't involve like getting married to a man or something like that, I think I would have been, I would have still lo- loved to find the zeal for life and the passion for life that that young man had at that age to be able to be like protected so that when you get to where you are now and you want to start putting things in motion, you won't be second guessing yourself because you already know who you are. You know what you stand for. You stand firm on that. And all you have to do now is just execute it. Like you don't have to double think it or overthink it. And that's why I'm like so desperately trying to get back to whatever it was or whoever I was at that age, because I don't know. I feel like I was, more secure in myself. I was having a conversation with my brother and my mom and I was like, at that age, she didn't allow you to feel sorry for yourself. You couldn't call yourself, you couldn't use negative words to describe yourself and so on and so forth. And it was a really good time as far as I could remember. Like I was so sure that I would, like for example, I was so sure I could be a preacher if I wanted to be a preacher or a motivational speaker. Whereas now I'm just like, um, I don't think I have the skills. You know, I really don't have the experiences. Maybe I need to go do like a Toastmasters. But at that time, if you asked me to come up and say something, I was going to say, come up and say something. Now I'm double thinking like, oh God, I need to find the words. What should I say? What should I do? So yeah, that young man, um, if I could get back pieces of him or figure out how to get like him, because I probably can't go back, then or apply what I knew then to what I'm experiencing now, then I think it would be, it would be wonderful. Aww. Wow. I hope you find the parts of him that you want to find so that you can mix that younger you with the newer you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yourself or I mean, I, I would also add, like, you know, don't think about it so much as in trying to get back to that space specifically. I think there are aspects of that person that you can use, but I also think it's about, like, how can you um, be even better or more sure or more confident than you were that then? Might also be a more realistic way of thinking about it. Like, you mm. don't have to, like, you can't go back, you know? Right. Like, you can all, you, but you can, you know, you can access something different that might be similar but reflects more of who you are at this point perhaps for sure yeah because i mean i see myself doing a lot of things and especially like i said always talk about billy porter when he came on the scene i was like damn he's wearing all the things that i could have worn when i wanted to wear them but i talked myself out of it because whatever the because was and now that i'm rediscovering myself i'm finding parts of myself that I thought I didn't necessarily needed to put on display, but not because I've, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to, but because society was saying that you should probably hold back on that person. But now that I'm like every day more and more becoming that more, that, that bolder person or that extra person as people might say, I'm loving it. And I'm just like, Damn. like even the white boots, Cause, oh, my oven boots come to think of it. No, 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 it. But even the white boots that I purchased for myself, I was like, oh, you know what I should do? I should do a whole series of outfits just around these pair of white boots. And some of the outfits that I came up with, I'm, I've already started like, yeah, no, you don't want, you might not want to do that one. Not because it wouldn't look good on me, but because I'm already anticipating what people might say. So stuff like that, that I keep have to like checking myself like, mm-mm. And that's why you don't, you don't have to do it because you're not doing it because you don't look good in it. You're doing it because you're worried about what other people might say. Stuff like that. Okay. So, this kind of shifts focus a little bit. Oh, wait, I lie because you did talk about you and yourself. Oh, oh, sorry. Mr. Sim- I was going to skip a question, child. Sorry. The next one. How did you fall in love with the love of your life? Oh, wow. Okay. So, he was the first um, man to say to me, and it sounds so simple, but it's so significant. He said to me, I would like to get to know you. I would like to get to date you so I could get to know you. And I was like, huh? What? What you talking about? We've been talking for some three, four weeks. Nigga, we go together now. Would you? And it was such a different experience because that was always kind of like, we've spoken about this in like old um, past um, episodes, where you would start talking to somebody online or you met them a few times and it was more so like, oh, okay, we... Yeah, we're a thing now. But with him, it was different because of that. And he was also the first man that I didn't feel like I needed to to fix in order to make him the man that would know how to love me and give mm-hmm. me space to be me. And like, we'll make jokes about like, I've dated community projects. If you're listening, don't be offended. I didn't <laughs> say it, my friends did. And it was more so like, oh, I have to help you get a job and I'm going to help you with your resume and I'm going to help you with this. But when I came in, it like, just like, just those are the things that, you know, I would be helping men do. But with him, it was just like, he, I came in, I asked him, what are your plans for the future? And like, I could see us working towards that 15,000 square foot mansion or whatever it is that we want to live in or however the lavish life that we had decided for ourselves. And he was doing him and he was, and he still is doing him and he's accomplishing his things and he's, you know, and yes, I have some input from time to time, but it's not because he necessarily needs me 
to sit down and hold his hand through all of it. It's because he just wants my feedback on what his next move is going to be as his partner. I hope that makes sense. The matter talk about equally okay now. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't know he was that much of a romantic. I'm like really impressed. Who, me or Jamali? Him. Oh, oh, Jamali's way more romantic than me. I am just the, like, he is, he has, like, he's the, he's, the, they're not grand gestures, but he's definitely, like, let's go to New York and walk Central Park, where I'm, like, it's too cold, let's stay home. Oh, my gosh. Um, I know. And I'm trying to be and do better. He's the type who will just buy me a gift just because. And as much as I'm just, like, uh, thanks, I guess. But that's kind of, like, his thing. Like, oh, I saw you looking at this. And I know you're not going to pay for it with your own money. So here you go. It's like, what? You saw that? So he's he's definitely a romantic in that sense. Me, on the other hand, I'm more so like, how much I pay for this? You know, I could have gone to go buy three of this. So I'm, I'm trying. That's one thing I'm definitely trying to work on. Because I feel like that could, what well, my therapist has already told me, that that could be an issue in the long run. If I'm constantly discouraging him from showing his love. Mm, damn. What was the transition into American spaces like after you left Jamaica? Some of them were easy, some of them not so easy. Because I came in assuming that everybody was on board. This is America. I came in assuming that everybody was on board with this whole gay thing. And of course, I came here. I, when I came here, that was my main focus. It wasn't even like getting education and getting a good job. It was just that like, oh, I could finally live and be Kareem, the gay one. And that was one of the assumptions that I was like pleasantly surprised when I got a few remarks made from like African-American people towards me or when I started to learn about different conservative groups that literally fund organizations to, I don't know, try to change people like me and so on and so forth. The most difficulty in terms of transitioning to spaces were the largely Caribbean and Jamaican spaces which aren't really American spaces if you think about it, but those are the ones I still have access. I still have difficulty navigating somewhat. Hmm. Okay. And I guess the, 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 the next set of questions are kind of related to that. Your, your time in the diaspora and relationship to Jamaica. But the question, the next question goes, what did you miss most about Jamaica? Or what do you miss the most about Jamaica? Sorry. Oh, miss my local friend them. I still have a few friends back home that mostly like in the community where I live, this is outside of school, that were really, they were like really great support networks for me who affirmed me in, in a lot of ways and that I had wonderful times with. But if I'm being completely honest, I miss the food. I miss the quality of the food. Like curry goat and oxtail here is not the same as curry goat and oxtail at Jamaica. I mean, can't go to our restaurant and ask them for a fried chicken breast with curry gravy because... For one, them that really sell chicken breast up here because it's there. But I really miss food and I miss my little friends. And I also miss those, the, the women in the community that really protected me in my mother's absence. So I try to send you know, little gifts for them back home when I can. But I was really looking forward to seeing them for this trip. But now it's the COVID-19, Corona, mash it up. But it's all right. I'll see them. But that's what I miss. Those three things. Are what I miss the most. So what do you think you have if you are in Jamaica that you can't have in the LGBT community in the USA? Say that again? It, 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 it phrase weird, but I think that there yeah. are, what you have, I guess, in the LGBT community 
in Jamaica or what? So what can you have in the community in Jamaica that you can't have with the community in the USA? Mm. That's a tough one because I've been able to kind of find those spaces. I know for a while when I came here, I missed those parties, the supper to them that I would go to where you never get the venue until a few hours before the party start. I missed that part. I mean, because I wasn't so immersed in the LGBTQ community as I am now here, it's hard to, it's pretty difficult to kind of answer that question. But yeah, if anything, I missed those parties at first. But now I can, I have, like you find DJs that are familiar with the community that you know if he's playing at a particular party, you can go to go dash out and it'll be, it's not the same experience because when you got a party there at Jamaica, I dash out the whole night. More so when you got a party, I dash out for like a good 30 minutes and they say, all right, we'll come ready for go home. Understood. And I mean, trust me, even having, when I was in London, I can understand, there's this difference between uh, even a space that's catering for Caribbean people or Jamaican people, there's still a difference between that and the authentic that showed party in a Jamaica for the community. Yeah. The quality, that's the, the, authentic, the authenticity within the quality makes it absolutely different. Also, I know Managa rant. One next time. Never mind. The next question is, <laughs> given the hostility you faced in Jamaica, why do you remain interested in the country and connected to the community there and in the diaspora? Because I've been able to differentiate between the people that, I don't know, I think I've come a long way in being able to differentiate what people think. Like people operate from a space of ignorance, yes, and hate, yes. But it's also what they know. It's almost like it's not their fault. It's what they know. It's what they've been exposed to. And I'm more so focusing, I'm more so focused now on ensuring that the little Kareem's that are trying to navigate Jamaica can do so with some kind of support, whatever whatever support I can afford now, because Lord knows when the money starts coming, I have some big philanthropic plans for, you know, for the LGBTQ community in the Caribbean. But I'm more so focused on delivering or trying to help in whatever way I can cultivate a better quality of life for LGBTQ individuals in the diaspora and less about less on the hate that I've, I received or the hostility that I received. I've been, I've, I'm glad that I've been able to grow to a place where I can differentiate both, where it's not like throwing out the baby with the bathwater. It's more so like being able to differentiate, like, all right, you, Manami, because of your negativity, I'm going to come right here, so come hell. And honestly, the work of this podcast has also helped to keep me interested, especially hearing, well, living vicariously through Glenroy for a while before working with him on this podcast, it was like, oh, shit, I could. There are ways that I can be involved and lend my voice or whatever it is at whatever time I have the capacity to do. There are initiatives that I can get involved in. I mean, I look forward to a local community meeting, man. I was too. Okay, so I'm going to move a little bit down. But from a Caribbean perspective, what has marriage been like? What has marriage been like from a Caribbean perspective? I'm not sure how to answer that. I think it was the same outpouring... I don't know if you're comparing it to, I guess, the heterosexual standard well, of marriage. Let, well, let, let me re, re, rephrase, because I'm actually not sure. So maybe one way to think about it is how have, or like, what has your experience of marriage been like in relation to what you grew up thinking about what marriage was supposed to be? So 
I don't know if that helps at all, but I guess one way to think about it would be, were you ever like hesitant or concerned or uncomfortable with the, mar- with the possibility of getting married to a man based on, you know, how that was portrayed and set up in the Jamaican context? Well, the way you phrase it, no. I didn't have any hesitation because I remember we used to sit and we used to talk about commitment ceremonies or love ceremonies. What were the, the, the names that were used for Oh, marriage? was it Civic Union or something? Or something, something like that. And I was looking forward to that. When I learned that that was a possibility, I was definitely looking forward to that. If they're also asking about the idea of being married to a man in the Caribbean context, it, it was difficult in the sense that my husband's family members were not on board the way my family members were. So for example, my mother-in-law had, it took her a while to kind of like come around to the the fact of me and her son getting married. She wasn't at our wedding. A lot of his family members wasn't at at the wedding. I think it was just his grandmother that came to our wedding. And like after the fact, his aunt was trying to come into town, but she got delayed. So she ended up coming to like a little after celebration that we had at the house. So in that sense, then I guess the, the Caribbean context would play because the, the homophobia and the, the, the lack of knowledge kind of potentially could have potentially ruined what was supposed to be a beautiful experience for us. But I think we've all made like a lot of progress and I met a lot more of his family members who are at least I don't get any bad energy or bad vibes from them. There's still a little bit of discomfort, but it's not, it wasn't what it used to be when we just started out. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't, I guess, foresee that. Wait, is your husband Jamaican? He yeah. is. He is. But I don't really consider him Jamaican because he's been here so long. Like he's been here for 25 years and he's 28 years old. So... I was oh. like, you are so far removed from this thing. That's why I can't cook Jamaican food. Give me phenomenal. <laughs> okay. So the next question, and by the way, I think with the the past twenty one territory, <laughs> some of them, some of them, I'm not going to bother with because you've answered them in different ways. But this one, um, this is the without a doubt moment. So, how do you identify, or what are your gender pronouns? So I identify as the pronouns that I use are he, him, his. But I think the way I'm, I'm not necessarily masculine presenting. So the way I'm presenting, I'm, I'd be more gender fluid in my presentation, but I like sticking to he, he, him, and his because, um, and that's just me. I love challenging the norm of what masculinity should look like, societal norms. And so I grow my hair, I grow my nails, I wear heels but I still require that you address me as he, him, his. Now, if you address me as she, which people have done, I do not take offense to it at all. I'm not so hung up on it, but especially in professional settings, I like using he, he, him, he, him, his. Okay, and then, I mean, yeah, to Glenroy's point, you've kind of answered most of these in one way or another, but I'm, if is okay with this being the last one, how were you able to navigate the teaching space as an openly queer and feminine presenting man? That, that, took a, that took a while for me to get comfortable with because again, I was kind of concerned about what my students' reaction to it would be. And so I would kind of test the waters a little bit. I would wear something like a shawl or just something that isn't the stereotypical male clothing and kind of try to gauge people's reaction towards it. And so far it hasn't been anything negative or overwhelming 
And I just had to make the decision that if I'm going to be in the space, I'm going to be in the space the best I know how and show up the best I know how. I cannot conform to what is the typical. And I didn't really see a typical, but I also saw an opportunity. What I did see was the opportunity to kind of own the space and make it mine. So I am comfortable there. And I'm definitely looking forward, like after hearing Glenroy's experience, to even wearing a pair of heels to class one day and just be like, hi, good afternoon class, pop quiz. But yeah, I've, I've, I've saw the opportunity to kind of, if I'm going to be in academia, because I have a lot of hangups about academia, if I was going to be in academia, I was going to make it fun. I was going to show up as me. And so far it's been working and I haven't had any adverse reactions to it. So I'm grateful for that. I'm actually surprised that you haven't yet. That, that's probably been the, the biggest shocker for me because I thought, you know, you of all persons would be, that I wouldn't be the, the one to kind of wear heels to class before you. So that's the most interesting thing. So may I help you find your younger self? Girl. Yes, please. Because no, so the thing for me is just like, I can, I, like, I, like I said, I went into academia with all these like, okay, I have to be this kind of person. I need to be this kind of person. And so now I'm kind of like unlearning all of this. Like, no, bump all that. I'm going to be me. And because people are like, oh, the academia changes you and you're supposed to be like this when you get out. And for a long time, I was just like trying to fit what they say, like a, a square peg into a round mold. And I was just like, this doesn't feel natural to me. So I started like breaking out of that. And because I'm not teaching in the classroom this, this semester, I haven't had the opportunity to wear heels to class because I definitely would have. So even like on my, when I, do, I teach online, so when I do like my online lectures, whatever comes out, comes out. Like I don't try to mask who I am or whatever. And people appreciate it because I meet my students in person. And it's like, oh, you do the class like it's a podcast and it sounds really fun. And I was just like, yeah, because that's, that's when I'm my most, in my most natural state. So when I'm doing my podcast. So that's why, that's how I approach the classroom. But yeah, the, uh, I definitely, I like after interacting with you, I'm like, all right, it's good. The next thing is something from one classroom, just so you use, just do it. You are, you definitely should work it. It's empowering. <laughs> I like it. Oh, this one has been fun. I learned so much about you. You know, you know, the funny thing is I, this series, I thought I'd learn more about Cornell than you, but I actually learned a lot more about you through your series. Um, Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I also, I mean, if I could just add really quickly, I also want to add the folks who sent in questions because they were, these were really good questions that allowed us to kind of like probe a, a bit more about Kim Michelle. Yeah. I was worried that you guys weren't getting enough questions because I posted the thing and I was just like, okay, I, one, I hope that they know to go to the Fishy podcast and send the message. And two, I was like, let me post a picture that would allow them to stop and read, like try to take my outfit, <laughs> but also read the thing. But then people are like really sending me things about the outfit. Like, oh my God, I love the fan, love the pants. Yes, goody. I say a few that I sat there. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> I'll get enough questions for this. So, But I'm glad that people actually sent questions. That's, that's nice. And I want to make a quick correction. Sabrina Powell, that's her name. Thank you so much, Goodika. No question you sent in like you did send in the last time. Big up yourself. Um, and also thank you to all the emojis and my close friends only. I also did bad ups so that, they, <laughs> um, so that we can actually, uh, we end up actually exceeding the number of questions that we wanted. So oh, thank wow. you, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
support of the fish tea every week. And how oh, oh, the sign up go? Don't feel like we did say it before. Please remember to like, Carnel, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for thanks again for listening to another episode of the Fish Tea Podcast. Uh, please check us out on the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Email us at fishteapodcast at gmail.com. We really appreciate the support that you've been giving us for the past few months. Stay sophisticated, and we will see you again next time. Bye. Oh, and I tell him so pass over 5,000 likes. Oh, yeah. 5,000 listens. Mm-hmm. Tell them. Okay, yeah, we got 5,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, big up on yourself. 5,000 listens. I want, want 5,000 more. I want to reach 10,000 answers. So help out. Like and share. Like and share. Like yes, and, and, and And just keep making fish to grow and expand and reach new audiences and have the impact that you all tell us that it's having. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.